If you'd love to support Michelle and I, you can over on Ko-fi. You can buy us a cup of coffee or you can become part of the VIP Royal Community where we have a monthly Zoom call and a private Facebook group. It's £4 slash six bucks. And we'd love to have you there and join us. A grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors dedicated to the royal family each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of windsor with your hosts and royal fangirls rachel andrews and michelle soul so grab yourself a cuppa straighten up your tiara shine your knighthood round up your corgis and let's keep up with the windsors Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up the Windsors. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michelle. Oh, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just, oh, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. You just can't make this up, can you? Wow. Well, firstly, welcome, Royal Community. Welcome to our episode today. It's our two-year anniversary, Rachel. Wow, wow, wow. And what a two years it's been. It's it's like a train we can't get off of right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That is the perfect description of what we've got ourselves into. Rach we literally have bitten off more than we can chew at times haven't we (laughs) (laughs) and Royal Community if you would have told us this is where we would be two years later we would not have believed you oh wow oh wow so as you can imagine Royal Community we had our notes ready for this week we were gonna talk all things you know royal like we do every single week we had some nice bit of information come out and then we had several pieces of information come all at once all this week about the Sussexes Mm. so we are going to have a quick royal roundup because we know that some of you like that part of the podcast and you want to know what's going on with the royals that will be condensed because we have got so much to talk about regarding Harry and Meghan but I will also want to let you know royal community if you are new around here and you don't know our our stance on Harry and Meghan. Basically, we only talk about them in our podcast when it pertains to the royal family. And this is a lot to do with the royal family this week, isn't it, Rachel? So that's the reason why we're going to be um, talking about Harry and Meghan today. So last week we said to you, send us your voice notes over on Instagram, DM us, keeping up with the Windsor's pod and let us know your thoughts on what's been going on with the royals lately. And so we have a message from Jake Grayapi and his voice note is about, is the king becoming too political? Keeping up with the Windsor's podcast, as far as the king being too political, I don't think his statement on the Ukraine was too political at all. It's no different really than times in the past where the queen or her father before her spoke out against conflicts that were happening in the world. World War II would be an example of that. The things that have happened in the Middle East where they've made statements, whether separately or as part of their Christmas messages. Basically, it's it's the head of state speaking out about a conflict that the nation is involved in in some way and standing up for the side that the nation has already supported. And I suspect he probably did that with the advice of the prime minister. I can't imagine that he would have said something quite so specific without having passed it by number 10 first, but I could be wrong. Thanks and have a great day. Oh, you have a great day, Jake. Thanks so much for your voice note. Yeah, you did go against what I said last week, which I absolutely love. I love that we have different opinions here on the on the podcast. What do you think about what Jake said, Rach? Yeah, I think I'm more with Jake. I think that's the um, notion that I was going with last week is that as the king, as the head of state, 
there are certain instances when he should speak up. And I think this is one of those times that it was the right thing to do. Right. Well, like I say, I did feel a little bit too political for me. But, you know, I think it's always going to divide people's opinions, isn't it, about politics and the royal family. So if you want to be part of the podcast next week, please feel free to send us your voice note over on Instagram. And yeah, let's head into the Royal Roundup for this week. So, Shell, as it's getting nearer, can you believe it's only two months until the coronation? It feels like I've snapped my fingers and it's just around the corner. It feels like the Jubilee was only last week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. And I'm still recovering. (laughs) Yes, from the queue. (laughs) So we've had some news about the coronation oil. So it has been consecrated in Jerusalem. Now, this oil, which will be used to anoint the king, has been created using olives harvested from two monasteries, Mary Magdalene and Accession. And the Monastery of Mary Magdalene is the burial place of the king's grandmother, Princess Alice of Greece. The oil is based on the oil used at Queen Elizabeth II's coronation, with the formula being used for hundreds of years and it will also be used in the anointing of the Queen Consort. Now, as we've spoken about before, Royal Community, and if you've watched The Crown, you'll know that the anointing is the holiest part of the whole ceremony. Rachel, I have a confession to make. Are you ready for this? Go, go, go. Royal Community, if you're drinking tea, make sure you don't spit this out. Um, (laughs) I don't know what she's going to say, Royal Community. (laughs) This may be the silliest thing I'm ever going to say in my life, but I'm going to be honest with you, Royal Community, I have to be. I thought there was an oil that they've had for thousands and thousands of years. And it was the same thing every single time. Like it was a big bottle of oil and (laughs) it was used like this oil was the only oil that can be used. And I thought, oh, that's a bit, it's got like thousands of years of oil. Like that has got to smell. That's got to be not very nice. No wonder it's like the holiest part. Like, you know, it has to be covered because they're probably holding their nose. No, it gets created. And I was so like, my, my mind was blown. I never knew this fact. I'm sorry, Royal Community, if you're like, what is she going on about? But I literally <laughs> thought they use the same oil every single time. Oh my God, that's hilarious. That is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so there we go. That was my, um, yeah, my my moment of like, what? Hang on. It was like, you're like Scooby-Doo and it's like, huh? <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was really fascinated by them creating the oil. And also, what a lovely synergy between Princess Alice of Greece being buried there as well. It's just just steeped in history, isn't it? And it's such a holy place in Jerusalem. It's special, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm just flabbergasted that we're actually getting to witness it because when Queen Elizabeth II, um, it was her coronation, none of this information would have been privy to people. And it's just amazing with the technology that we have now that we can see this with our own eyes and... I can't believe we're just witnessing and being part of history and it's just amazing and I can't wait until the actual coronation day to see it in person. I just think it's just going to be such an amazing experience. Yeah, especially we've we've seen the gold carriage at the the pageant for the platinum jubilee, but to actually see it for the coronation is it is going to be really special. 
Let's move on. We have had news that the king and the queen consort will be undertaking their first state visit to France and Germany from the 26th of March to the 31st of March. This is exciting. I know a lot of our royal community members in France and Germany are super excited because they've already got in contact with us. (laughs) The king will become the first British monarch to address the French Senate, the first to address the German Bundestag, and I hope I pronounced that right, um, and will also be the first foreign head of state to be offered a ceremonial welcome to the Brandenburg Gate. There'll also be two state banquets and... Rachel, <laughs> one of them will be held in Versailles. I mean, yeah. mind blown for you. I honestly, as soon as I saw this, I was like, yeah, I'm going to Versailles. I was so excited. And then I was like, right, it's got to be in the Hall of Mirrors. It has to be in the Hall of Mirrors. Obviously, when we think of state visits, we had the South African state visit to the UK just a few months ago. And we had that wonderful reception where we had tiaras. But this doesn't necessarily mean that we will see the Queen Consort wearing a tiara. Because do you remember a few years ago, they went to a state banquet and she wasn't really wearing any jewels. Yeah, it depends, doesn't it? And I think it's um, depending on what country they go to. They do have different customs. But why is the Hall of Mirrors so important, Rach? The Hall of Mirrors was built by Louis XIV, the Sun King. And this was the elegance of France. This was the be all and end all. Everybody around the world knew of Versailles. A lot of occasions happened in the Hall of Mirrors, including the wedding reception of Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI. <laughs> I was waiting for your fun fact to come up. I love it. I, um, you know, Versailles is so famous, and it's going to be amazing to see our royal family in a palace built for the French royal family back then. You know, it's going to be really exciting. Really, really exciting. So let's move on, shall we? Had the King and the Queen consort visiting Colchester as they awarded city status as part of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations. Yeah, they also went to Colchester Zoo as well which was good and I did see that they did some engagements around age UK and also did you see that they went to Camilla went to a library in Essex yeah. she was given a library card she was given a library card and did you also see them cutting a the cake together this was adorable <laughs> Mary Mary <laughs> We haven't said Mary Berry in a while we haven't this was a joint cupcake it cupcake it This was a joint cake cutting moment and it was very special. I like that. It was very, very special. But also we have to tell you, Royal Community, you've probably seen over on social media, they did have protesters and it was the same protesters that were at Milton Keynes when the King visited to award city status there. And I looked at the photos and it was the same blooming protesters, Shell. I could spot them. We did say that they were the anti-royal community. So, I mean, you know, we're going to notice them everywhere we go now. Isn't it funny, though, that they both went to st- uh, city status engagements? I think because they knew this was going to hold a very big crowd. I mean, there was hundreds oh, okay. of people. I think there was a, a couple of thousand, actually, that turned up to line the streets for the king and the queen consort. And as they were going in, because we couldn't really hear them, they decided to have a megaphone and they were shouting things. But obviously, to try and drown that out, people were shouting, God save the king. Look, the king and the queen concert can obviously hear everything that's being said. But it's like water for ducks back with these two. They just get on with the job. They've got a purpose to be there. And we said it before, all community, not everybody likes a royal family and that's okay. But I think what we're seeing now is a lot of people, even if you were an anti-monarchist, 
people still had respect for the queen. And now that this is the beginning of a new reign, this is garnering more attention of that anti-monarchy movement. And we will see this more and more, and especially at the coronation. Yeah, oh, definitely we will. We also did see William and Catherine this week doing a few things here and there. Especially yep. <laughs> William did investitures, didn't he? He did, was it Chris Kamara gave her an MBE too? <laughs> I loved that social media post because Chris Kamara is a... British uh, football pundit here, a commentator, and he's very well known for that very saying that they had on social media. So it made me laugh. And we also had Catherine in her new role as Colonel of the Irish Guards out in the snow doing some training. Yeah, Royal Community, it's snowing here in the UK, snowing on the 8th of March. I can't believe it. And actually, as I just came back from Aldi, um, the snow was actually settling on the ground. So it looks like we're going to have a few days of it. But khaki trousers, wasn't it? And she was just out there in the snow doing her thing. I was like, go girl. Yeah, absolutely. We've had Army Kate out today, didn't we? Army Kate, she's back. Action Kate. Where's the Barbie? That's what I want to know. Where is the Barbie? I would dress that Barbie up every single day. Do you remember queen, I wanted, wasn't there? I know. Do you remember I was going to say I wanted the Queen Barbie, and now it's about I think it's about three hundred and fifty pounds on, on eBay. eBay now. <laughs> Gosh. And we also had confirmation this week that the King and the Queen Consort, along with the Prince and Princess of Wales, the Earl and the Countess of Wessex, and the Princess Royal will attend the Commonwealth Day service at Westminster Abbey next Monday. So we will definitely be covering that next week. So exciting. That's going to be really good to see on Monday, the Commonwealth service, because that's such a fixture within the royal calendar. So we will have a really good royal outfit moment as well from each of them. So, and I actually have to say, Sophie looked amazing last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Sophie wears. Right, Shell. Shall we head on over to Harry and Meghan? Yeah, well, let's just let's just rip off the band-aid. Let's do it. <laughs> so first things first is a spokesperson of Harry and Meghan revealed, and this is in a quote. I can confirm the Duke has recently received email correspondence from His Majesty's office regarding the coronation. An immediate decision on whether the Duke and the Duchess will attend will not be disclosed by us at this time. Shell, what are your first thoughts? I always thought that they would be invited. So this is not a surprise to me at all. I thought that they would be invited under the premise of Harry being a councillor of state. And it's kind of more of a formality. But also, I think the king is a very Christian man. He is going to be anointed as head of the Church of England. So the big part of Christianity is forgiveness and is about being charitable and setting the example. And I think this was always on the cards from my perspective anyway that they would be invited it's quite interesting that it says from his majesty's office and that seems very official doesn't it Rach rather than the king has um, graciously extended a, a warm invitation to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex so 
in that regard, it reminds me very much that it's more of the councillor estate thing. But you don't know. We don't know what it actually said because this is just a spokesperson for Harry and Meghan and their words of that rather than this is what the email actually said. One of my first thoughts was when we had the press junkets for Harry's book, when he was giving interviews and he was on TV shows and talk shows, etc. When he was asked about the coronation, he said a lot can happen between now and then. He would like to have a relationship with his father, with his brother, but certain information not be leaked to the press because then he knows that they've basically not been talking to people within the institution. But then it's okay on Harry and Meghan's part to disclose this information that an invitation has been extended. I was like, that's a bit of a double standard there because you're contradicting what you've said. Why is it okay for it to be done on your terms and said on your terms, but not from their terms? But you know what? I don't even think it's a big deal. Like at the end of the day, the the coronation is about the king and the queen consort. They will be there. They won't be there. It's going to happen anyway. So I'm sure people who love Harry and Meghan would like to see them there. As It's nice for them to be back in the UK. But I don't think this is as big of a deal as everyone's making out. I Because I was like, I always knew they were going to be invited. Whether they come or not, actually, Rach, that is another story. But I always, in my heart, thought they'd definitely be given an invitation. And also we have to say is official invitations have not yet gone out to anyone. So I think this is a more of a save the date. It's put it in your diary. If you're going to come, you're going to come. I think behind the scenes, there's obviously going to be lots of conversations going back and forth between Harry and Meghan, their offices, the palace offices. And even we don't even know if at this point Harry is speaking to the king. And vice versa. We don't know. We don't know if text messages have gone back and forth. We just don't know. So I don't think we will know until a few days before the coronation, if they do come, when we actually see them arrive in the UK. And remember, it is Archie's birthday on the day of the coronation. So I wonder whether if that is the case, it gives them not an excuse, but it gives them a reason not to go and for it to be okay not to be there. Yeah, but Shell, the other year when it was Archie's birthday, Harry was out playing polo. So. No, I completely get it. I completely get it. Yeah, so that's as much as we know so far. Remember, the information we're getting at the moment is from a spokesperson for Harry and Meghan. We've had no news from the palace. And like you mentioned, Rach, the invitations haven't gone out either. What else have we heard this week? Oh, and then there was a media storm surrounding Frogmore. Harry and Meghan evicted from Frogmore. <laughs> I know it was very extreme, wasn't it? Evicted. like well, we, ke- we kept seeing all these things on social media, didn't we? And then again, a spokesperson for Harry and Meghan. On Wednesday, a statement was released by an Archwell spokesperson, which said, we can confirm the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been requested to vacate their residence at Frogmore Cottage. So this was basically saying, yes, the rumours are true. We have been asked to vacate. And we actually did a live Instagram last week, didn't we, Shell? Because we were like, we've got to talk to the royal community about this. Everyone has so many thoughts and opinions on, you know, should they be evicted? Should they not? It doesn't make sense because they don't even live here in the UK. So why would they get to keep Frogmore? Yeah, we did an Instagram live. You're more than welcome to head on over to our Instagram and it's still on our feed so you can uh, watch it. Um, and we discuss it kind of just our, th- it literally just broken, hadn't it? We were just getting our first thoughts and we said, come back to the podcast next week because we will have more in-depth information for you. So let's go a little bit in-depth then of what we've got. 
We've then got some amazing voice notes from you, Royal Community, on what you think about the hashtag eviction. It feels like Big Brother, <laughs> doesn't it? You have been evicted from the Big Brother house. And then we'll go on to what we think, right? So give us the info first. So Harry and Meghan refurbished Frogmore. And this is Frogmore Cottage, isn't it? Not Frogmore House, because there's two on the Windsor Estate, isn't there? Yes, yeah, Frogmore Cottage. Owns by the Crown Estate, an estimated cost of £2.4 million in the years between 2018 and 2019. Now, the cost was initially covered by the taxpayers through the sovereign grant before being repaid in full by Harry and Meghan when they left the institution. According to the palace's annual reports, the lump sum they transferred to cover the refurbishment of the former home also included undisclosed future rental costs. Now, this again was brought up when we were doing the Instagram Live, wasn't it, Shell? It was. And we don't know what those rental costs are. We definitely know that they had their rental agreement with the Crown Estate up until 2021. And then it got extended until May 2022. So up until that point, we knew that 2.4 million was to go for refurbishments and also undisclosed future rental costs. So Harry and Meghan were also said to be funding the general upkeep of Frogmore Cottage for things like maintaining the garden with the taxpayer funded sovereign grant effectively acting as the landlord, which undertook more major work such as anything needed doing to the outside of the grade two listed property. Yeah, and it's, it was, I think it was grade listed in like 1975. I don't know whether we have grade listed buildings in other parts of the world, but basically, um, depending on the grading of it, it becomes extremely hard to make any changes to a, the property. So at the time in 2018, Frogmill Cottage was actually five separate dwellings for staff members of the Windsor Estate. And so that 2.4 plus obviously the undisclosed rental costs went towards creating a family home for Harry, Meghan and at the time Archie. And that was what they created, like that's what they spent their money on, converting this five um, houses into one big house. And we actually saw their kitchen and rooms within Frogmore Cottage in their documentary on Netflix. So we have seen inside Frogmore Cottage. Um, I don't know about this, Rach, because I know we had a lot of questions on Instagram Live saying they should have that money given back to them then. And I don't think they should. I don't think they should have that money back. Firstly, we don't know how much of that money is rental costs. And they do actually owe that to the Crown Estate regardless, because when they stopped becoming working royals, they then had to start paying rent costs to the Crown Estate. Remember, Royal Community, this isn't a house that the Queen has bought them. This house belongs to the Crown Estate in which the monarch gets to decide who lives in those places. And if they do have the opportunity to live there, they do have to pay rent if they're not working royals or, you know, have given the grace and favour from the monarch. And then we heard that apparently Andrew has been asked to move out of Royal Lodge and into Frogmore, which is obviously a smaller property. And if you've ever seen Royal Lodge, it's this sprawling mansion that Prince Andrew lives with Sarah Ferguson. Okay, so let's keep it real because to be honest, we don't particularly know how Prince Andrew is making his money at the moment. We know he's got a pension. We know he might potentially have had money from the Queen's estate. However, we don't know whether he's getting money from the uh, the Duchy of Lancaster and we probably won't know that until the end of the financial year if that is the case. But moving forward from that, 
it might possibly be that he will move into Frogmore Cottage because maybe the rental cost is a lot lower than Royal Lodge. And I also heard on the grapevine that Royal Lodge needs still needs a lot of work to it. So it might be that it is getting an upgrade. I'm not quite sure, to be honest. I personally completely understand why people would be up in arms about Prince Andrew moving into Frogmore. But actually... I don't particularly have a problem with it. And the reason why is because I think the more segregated he is <laughs> from the rest of the world, I mean, in the nicest way, the more safer he is, because I think he doesn't have a good reputation. I, you know, when we had those protesters the other week, they were saying some really nasty things about Andrew. And I don't think he is go. He may potentially have his day in court. I don't know, but we don't know what the future lies for Andrew. And I think this will be a way of keeping him within the the Windsor protective bubble. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know people are going to say, but he doesn't deserve that. And I guess in a way, I I one hundred percent understand that. But it makes more sense for him to be in a smaller property than it would be to be in Royal Lodge. Yeah, and also we've heard for a while that the king wants to make cost-saving cuts. So it makes sense from a business point of view to move Andrew from a larger property as Royal Lodge into a smaller property. And we don't know, like you said, Shell, Royal Lodge, it could be left empty for years. We don't know what could happen. People were saying, well, William and Catherine and the children could move in there. Or maybe it could be kept for one, one of the children, George, Charlotte or Louis are older, and they move in there with their families. And these are all on the Windsor Estate and they are they are private properties in the sense that they are provided by the sovereign grant and because they are members of the royal family. And you know what? It would make more sense for Royal Lodge to be given to the Prince and Princess of Wales than it would be to have um Prince Andrew there. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is the, that is the goal. And whilst we're on the point of Prince Andrew, why don't we hear from Chels who's left us this voice note? I don't really care about Harry and Meghan being evicted from Frogmore. I wish more people were upset that Prince Andrew is still receiving grace and favor houses from the royal family. This was one of the points was like, oh, that is actually a really, really good point. And it made me think, was there a clause in the Queen's will that stated a house had to be provided for Andrew? And it wouldn't put it past me for the Queen to have done that because she knew how everyone felt about Andrew. That is a very good kind of theory, actually, Rach. You have to remember when you're in a tenancy agreement, regardless of whether it's with the Crown Estate or with somebody local down the road, there is a there's a legality there. And it seems to me like if their if their lease was up in May, from obviously the claims that we've seen, there has to be a notice period. We also heard that they have up until the end of the coronation in order to move all their things out of the of, of Frogmore Cottage, which actually again connects with the fact that they need to finish their tenancy agreement in May. Yeah, so when this news first broke, my initial reaction was they don't live in the country and they hardly visit, so it makes sense that they'd be asked to vacate. It doesn't make sense for them to have a property 
which they visit once or twice a year to me that that just doesn't make sense and there was this some people were saying oh i can't believe the king has kicked his grandbabies out of their home it's not their home they live in montecito yeah. they don't live here in the uk and also that these we're talking about rich people here we're talking about people who are on their second or third homes we are not talking about people who they're literally on the streets that isn't the case here. And maybe also a, a point to be made, Rach, is the fact that Harry needs to have a domicile within the UK in order to be councillor of state. So if Frogmore Cottage isn't his registered address, he's going to have to find another registered address. And that also then t- ties into he, if he pays tax here in the UK or pays tax in, in America, um, He'll need an address regardless of whichever way that is. So if it is the UK, he's going to need an uh, an address here. I know they're easy things to do. You know, he could probably just rent somewhere else or have a PO box or something. But it's like these are all um, very, what's the word, like law-abiding things that he needs in order to fulfill his role that's still going on within the family. But again, this again doesn't make sense to me. Why would he be a council of state when he doesn't even live in the country? Like, again, this just does not make sense. Well, we know he's councillor of state because it's still the line of succession. Um, so it's just a technicality that he is. You can obviously see that Charles wanted Anne and Edward to be councillor of state, hence the reason why he put through that bill a couple of months ago in the Houses of Parliament. So I think they're all thinking this, they're moving forward in that way. And when I was thinking about certain things, there's always questions that come up within a question. So one of the other thoughts I had was none of the family have come out publicly in regards to Harry's books and the interviews that he's given. So is this the way in which the king is clamping down? Like these these are the consequences of your actions because when they're not going to release a statement. So this is their way, the king's way of saying, I don't like what you've done. You reap what you sow. It's funny because last week we talked about the king being political and you made a point that the queen wasn't political but she would do it in a different way and it's kind of that isn't it it's more like a little power play rather than being able to have their say on a talk show or something and another thought I had was one of the big issues that Harry's always spoken about is security and when they left their roles as working royals they lost their police protection didn't they so as we know Harry at the moment is going through the courts to try and get this overturned. So when he and his family come to the UK, that he is able to receive police protection. And kind of like, I'm looking at it from Harry and Meghan's point of view, it's hard to see how losing their home, their their base here in the UK, will entice them to come over and spend more time here. I don't think they will spend more time here now. I think we'd be lucky to see them once a year is is my uh my thoughts unless obviously something big happens they need to come back over they, their their home is california now but it's interesting what you said about having that uk base come on you and i know they've got enough money in the bank to get another house anywhere they want to in the uk however they will not be afforded that royal bubble as like i was saying with andrew before that royal bubble that is their security, that has that inbuilt. It's a very private area, Frogmore Cottage, and that is something that is being taken away from them by not being allowed to rent there. But also what we've got to look at is if they do come over to the coronation, they'll be here for what, say a week tops? Yeah. 
how big is Buckingham Palace? How many how many rooms does that have? How big is Windsor Castle? It's not like they're going to be out on the streets. They will have somewhere to Saint sleep. St. James's Palace. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, it's, it's like they're being chucked out. It's like they're not homeless. They have plenty of other properties that they could stay in for a few nights. Nottingham Cottage. Yeah. <laughs> Nottingham, not caught. Yeah, not caught. I mean, that's, this is, this is the, the very point that makes me just really exasperated by this whole conversation. They are not homeless. They have, they can stand on their own two feet. They can buy their own houses. There are so many properties that they can just spend a, a week in, but I do understand what they're losing by not having it. So Royal Community, we asked you for your thoughts and opinions on Frogmore. And this is what Rebecca Victoria had to say. I have very mixed feelings on the Frogmore eviction. Number one, if you think about it in terms of business, as this is like a family business, I guess you can't expect to have the benefits of the house, the security, and all those things when you quit your job. On the other hand, it's still Harry's father and still his son. A teeny bit harsh, maybe, but it's needed. I also feel like this might be the end of the Sussexes being in the UK. I feel bad for both sides. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It's a hard situation. I feel like Charles had to do it. He had to do it as like a business thing. It's so complicated and I just feel so bad. And then we also had this voice note from Mallory. Hi, ladies. It's Mallory from Texas. Um, I will start with my thoughts on Frogmore Cottage. Uh, it's my understanding or the way that I initially heard about Harry and Meghan getting asked to vacate was through a statement released by Harry and Meghan. A uh, side note, I just don't understand their need to make a statement about every single thing. Why can't anything regarding them be done privately? You know, I then heard that Buckingham Palace asked them to vacate Frogmore after the release of Spare. And I'm sure that the Netflix docuseries and the interviews didn't help. But I'm sure King Charles is probably pretty salty at them for airing the family's dirty laundry. And I don't blame Charles. He has every right to be upset. Harry and Meghan can be all angry and mad, but then so can the other party. Um, if they do come back to the UK, it's not like they'll be staying in a Motel 6. I can 100% understand the controversy surrounding Andrew becoming a potential resident of Frogmore. And now my thoughts on the coronation. As of yesterday, it had been reported that Harry and Meghan received an invitation to attend the coronation. And a while back here in America, it was reported that Harry said that he would attend, but he wanted an apology from his dad and his brother first. In my strong opinion, I feel like so many from both sides are needing an apology, mainly the queen. Everything that has gone on openly and publicly is very childish, and the queen works so hard to set a standard. Um, and I understand that Harry and Meghan feel strongly about everything, and they have a valid reason to feel any type of way, but I think it was done in the wrong way. I don't like when people play the victim. And a part of me wonders, um, I know William and Catherine have so much respect to the king, the late queen, and the royal family as a whole. But could you imagine if they could speak out publicly regarding Harry and Meghan? And then I just wonder how the British public will receive Harry and Meghan if they do attend the coronation. Uh, so, I mean, I would love to see them there because they are part of the family at the end of the day. But... It just seems like it's not on the right terms. And with family matters, you don't want to rush it and you want them to talk it through. It's just so sad that they took it straight to a book and to Netflix and to the interviews, you know, and, and it's just really sad that that's the route they took. And now let's hear from Conrad on his thoughts. 
Hi, Royal Community. I'm a newer listener, obviously from the United States. My big thoughts with Harry and Meghan's eviction, quote unquote, from Frogmore, more so is just a nonchalant attitude of, well, you know, if you aren't going to work for the crown, why should you have rent with the crown? And also from what I've heard, they have been vacant from there for a few years. So it makes sense to me. It is a little sad because it does feel in a way like an ending, but it makes a lot of sense as well. I am glad though that they did receive an invite. I think they should take up on the invite. And I would love to see a photo of just King Charles and Prince William and Harry together as a trio. I know that's a far-fetched kind of fantasy with how things seem to be currently in their relationships respectively, but I just think that that photo would be iconic. So, Royal Community, that's what some people in the Royal Community think. And you've heard our thoughts on Frogmore. And then, Shell, and then, to top it off, we had news today as we're recording. Again, a spokesperson from Harry and Meghan said, I can confirm that Princess Lilibet Diana was christened on Friday, March the 3rd by the Archbishop of Los Angeles, the Reverend John Taylor. So that was released today, Shell. What do you think? Well, okay, so what do we know about it then? We know that um, since King Charles became king, Lilibet and Archie are, what was it, like the 1917 letters patent issued by King George V says that the titles um, can be used of prince and princess when they're the granddaughter sons of the monarch. So let's put it this way. We knew this was in the cards. However, I was very surprised I was very surprised that Harry and Meghan, after all we've heard from them, from the book, from Netflix, from the um, articles, from the TV shows, from Oprah, from the interviews we've seen with Harry, they've chosen this route. It was so surprising to me. I don't know how I feel right now because it's only just broken. But, you know, I think they're going to take the route of it's their birthright. But remember, the Oprah interview... Meghan and Harry basically said that the reason they would want Lily and Archie to be prince and princess was because of the security. And then they got told that, no, those titles will be taken away. And when those titles get taken away, so will the security. But it happened the opposite way around, didn't it? The security got taken and now they're choosing the prince and princess route. I think there's a bigger game plan here. I think there's a bigger thing that we're not seeing yet. I think there's bigger pieces of the puzzle that have been connected yeah. that in when we look at this in a year's time, we will go, ah, I see why A plus B will equal C. At the moment, we've only got, you know, certain little bits here and there. I think something else is happening. I think, you know, the Sussex spokespeople and the the institution, I think there are talks. I think there is some kind of evening out ready because I think when the king gets his coronation, I think that's officially when in our minds as a society, as a world, we will embrace Charles as king. And from that point, I think that's when his reign will start. And I think they want to tie up all of these loose ends before then. It just so happens that this this christening happens. And so 
again, we have a spoke. This spokesperson is very busy this week, Rach. <laughs> very busy. I mean, when I first read this, my initial reaction was, was it's just so hypocritical of them. Exactly what you said. Why would they use titles? Yes, they're afforded those titles as being the grandchildren of the monarch. But why would they use them when they've spoken out about the institution so many times? And surely now, if Archie and Lilibet have these titles, this will garner more public interest in them. And remember, this is something that they chose not to be part of it because of the press intrusion. And it was the press that turned them away. And um, they still would be in their royal positions and they still would choose that. They would choose their service. I feel so gaslit by Harry and Meghan from everything that I've heard of them recently actually if if you take everything they've said outside of the royal family and actually like have a little spreadsheet and a fact sheet so many things just don't add up I'm just so confused by it all and don't get me wrong honestly and you've probably heard on the podcast before Rachel and I have, have stood up when we say what we believe is wrong from what Harry and Meghan has had to deal with but then also on the flip side of that I'm just like I just don't understand this thinking I really don't understand it. And why is it taken this long? I mean, the the Queen passed away in September. So they was entitled to those titles from September. And so why is that only now that they're being used? And the question is, do you think this is kind of taking out the sting a bit of them losing Frogmore? Because there had to be conversations between the institution and the Sussex's offices that this happened. Because we did hear that... Buckingham Palace has said that the royal website will be updated in due course to reflect the titles because as of now when I last looked it still said Archie Mountbatten Windsor and Lily Bet Mountbatten Windsor it didn't say prince or princess when Archie and Lily get to a certain age I think it's 18 isn't it they get to decide whether they want those titles or not and also you know the royal hobnob princess Anne. she decided not to give titles and they are the granddaughter and grandson of queen elizabeth and that was a big deal for her not to give them titles and it's just a big enough deal that they are now using these titles but they did actually say didn't they that they'll be used in formal settings but not in every day well if that's the case what's the point in bothering because that makes me think that they're coming to the coronation because then they can be Prince Archie and Prince Lilibet. That's what makes me think. And also what makes me think is the titles. We've got a think royal community. As they get older, they'll be able to use these titles. And this isn't anything against the children because the children are only little. They, they don't know what a title is. And like you said, Shell, why does this? They're living in America. Why would they have a prince and princess title when... I mean, American, American listeners out there, let us know. Are you bothered by a title? Do you care that they're prince and princess? Like, does it make a difference to you? Obviously, when we see Prince George, Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis, we're seeing them as, you know, especially Prince George, he will one day be our future king. But as he gets older and he has children, the line of succession will slowly dwindle down. And Archie and Lily will bet will get pushed out of that line of succession more and more and more. Yeah. At the moment, I think they're seventh and eighth, aren't they, in the line of succession? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big deal at the moment. But, you know, in, in you know, 10, 20 years time, they'll probably be 20th, you know, that type of thing. So, 
I don't know how many kids George is having, by the way, if I had to take <laughs> kids onto George's uh, <laughs> family there. I think one of the points that people get stuck on, and maybe not us, Royal Community, but others around us, is they're like, oh, but it's not fair. William's kids have, um, you know, the prince and princess title and Harry's didn't. The thing is, they are in line of succession. They are the next future king's children. So they would automatically be given that anyway. Harry at the time, his father was a prince, not a king. As soon as his father became king, then his children automatically had the rights to style themselves prince and princess, but not before then. But there was that big deal of security, wasn't it? And them having their titles taken away. Obviously, them having the titles, what... Was it just talks? Were they making a mountain out of a molehill? Was this a big deal? Was this something that was going to happen? But then they spoke about it in Oprah and they thought, actually, we look really bad. Let's not do it. There's so many unanswered questions. There's so many. I just don't understand the actual benefit for Lily and Archie. And remember, when those children grow up, regardless of how much Harry and Meghan want them to be out of the press, they will be in the press. And having a prince and princess title, that keeps them in the press even more. They feel entitled to mention them because they are our prince and princess. So I think actually it's a hindrance for them to have those titles and it would be not to. I mean, look, Royal Community, only time will tell what's going to happen. We'll keep you up to date. But we did actually have this voice note from Greg. Hardest thing for me is that in the Anderson Cooper interview, he was asked by Anderson, why not just give up the titles? And he kind of, Harry shrugged and acted as if the titles didn't mean much or didn't mean anything. And he said something to the effect of, we'll always will be royal. The titles don't matter. I guess that's what's most confusing to me is that the titles don't matter. Then why do they decide to use the titles of prince and princess for Lilibet and Archie? Um, that's my thought on it. And the area that is kind of up for confusion in my mind. Yeah, Greg makes a good point there. He absolutely does. And also as well, in the Todd Bradby interview, Harry actually mentions that he would, if if he was asked to, he would do work for the Commonwealth. He would do, and I thought, oh my goodness me, like, I just don't understand the game plan. I just don't understand the future of where they're going. But what have I said for a while? What have I said for a while is that they need the titles, they need the royal family to stay relevant. Mm. Because we're hearing from a lot of people that listen to our podcast that are living in America, that their popularity is dwindling. And so maybe in a few years time, we look back at this. And like you said, this is, this is, you know, we look back and we're like, right, I get it now. There's something bigger going to happen because maybe if all these deals that they're getting and they're losing popularity and their only way is to make money, is from using their titles and being part of the royal family, surely they're going to have to take it. Are you suggesting they're going to have a YouTube family channel? (laughs) (laughs) A vlogging family channel. (laughs) Welcome to the Sussexes. It's a baffling one, this, isn't it? And I do think there is a bigger, a bigger, broader, uh, what's the word? Yeah, a bit broader picture picture that we're not seeing, but we will see in in a few years' time and we'll look back at this episode and go, oh, how little did we know? (laughs) (laughs) So... That's it for Royal Community. Jam-packed, very Sussex-heavy this week. Yeah. Um, I feel like I need a bit of a decompression from the Sussexes and all the news that we've had and to really 
look at it and digest it a bit more because it is a lot to be taken on this week. But as always, let us know your thoughts over on Instagram at Keeping Up the Windsor's Pod or email us at Keeping Up the Windsor's Pod at gmail.com. And wherever you are right now, Royal Community, hold up your hand or your cup of tea or whatever and just toast Keeping Up the Windsor's second anniversary today. We usually have an anniversary special like we did last year, but you know what? Rachel and I were like, is it our second anniversary today? <laughs> we hadn't even thought about it. That's how much on the train we are, right? <laughs> <laughs> how much on the train we are but um yeah happy happy second anniversary to us Yay. yeah um if you would love to review our podcast you can over on apple you, you can leave us a five-star review on spotify you can you can favorite the episode and also give us a rating out of five and also come on over to podbean where you can leave us a comment and like the episode as well if you'd love to support Michelle and I, you can over on Kofi. You can buy us a cup of coffee or you can become part of the VIP Royal Community where we have a monthly Zoom call and a private Facebook group. It's £4 slash 6 bucks, and we'd love to have you there and join us. Thank you so much for being here, Royal Community. We could not do this without you. Thank you for everyone who sent in your voice notes this week. We loved having you on the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week on Keeping Keep Up, up With The, the Windsors. Windsors.